With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. Uh, and that's why man Patrick takes songs from a particular soundtrack, plays those songs for us. And uh, based on these song selections, we're supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the exact feature of midweek movie music. Uh, we did not guess it successfully uh, this week, uh, but my man Patrick, he just felt pity on us. He decided to tell us uh, it is the, the harder they come. Harder they come. Harder they come. It's another. I've not seen it. I'm gonna try to stream it. Look it up. I mean, it, I want to try to make sure I am. Um, I don't know. Educated about this because right. you said mm-hmm. it's the most. These the soundtrack of it. The most influential reggae album maybe ever potentially just concern yeah if you look at how influential it was on the the overall culture of reggae in terms of the popularity of it that is what i've popularizing read popularizing that's well said. Okay. that is what i've read this came out in 1973 <clears throat> no, 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 I, I don't so know. i can't tell you from personal experience hey but i can tell you what i've read is that it is super important in uh in reggae like that. and that it's it's been uh like the, the library of congress has saved it as something that is important to the history of music. I mean, there you go. <laughs> and yeah. to me, that, the library got of Congress and right put there. it out there. Yeah. Uh, but I will tell you, I do like the song, the music, though. Yeah. The music is fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And so Jimmy has- Cliff is the guy who does The Harder They Come and a couple other songs, but he's he's the main actor in it as well. Okay. But I don't know if there's, there's been a bad song, actually. Uh, no, there has one not. I, one I haven't liked. Yeah, it really makes good. sense of why this would help popularize reggae, because you can put it on and you're like, oh, man, it's just... Just makes you feel good. And what year did this come out? 1973. So uh, 50 years ago today is when it was released in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Right on the time. I wonder um, how much ganja people were smoking back then in the country. That's exactly. That they called too. it reefer back then. Yeah, reefer. It was reefer. Reefer madness yeah, back then, exactly. too. You're going to go crazy if you smoke too yeah. much of that stuff. Uh, yeah, this out. is the type of music you listen to. You go crazy. You ever see that yes. reefer madness? When he's playing when he pins the piano, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man. I was like, I was like oh, what great. kind of weed are you? What are y'all smoking? Because that's no, no weed that I've No, the best part about work. that is when he's driving the car, <laughs> and it's because so old and he's driving the car and they're like he's going crazy and it's showing the speedometer it's like 35 40 and you're Slow like down. dude and you just see him like oh my god we're gonna die and you're like dude he's in a yeah. school zone what is happening <laughs> oh man that's great all right if you don't know look it up uh, I, yeah. obviously Leonardo DiCaprio's women none of them would get that reference but you should that's like history that's good stuff all right uh, let's get to the history was made actually last night LeBron James making history becoming the all-time leading scorer in 
NBA history, surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You guys know I've said it several times. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is uh, one of the most underrated superstars in NBA history. Uh, and honestly, I do. And we don't, So we're talking about the perception of LeBron James, and I think social media has negatively affected LeBron. And I brought this up to you guys before. I know LeBron James is a villain now, and I think – based on just the, the, the text on the Specs text line, at least half of basketball fans consider – they don't like LeBron, all right? They consider him yep. to be a villain in, in some way, form, or fashion. But I always said – I'm not disagreeing that he is a villain, but he's the most unintentional villain in the history of sports. He never intended to be a villain and never really embraced it. It, it really surprised him. The first thing he did, and it wasn't his fault, when they tried to shove a 16-year-old uh, King James down everybody's throat and, and prematurely gave him the nickname King James, which, by the way, he's earned. Uh, but people just didn't like that about it. Right. And, and they assumed he would fail, right? Because you just said it, Harge. The assumption was they were talking about he was going to be the greatest basketball player of all time when he was 16, yep. and it was easy to bet against that. That was the easiest bet in the like, well, no, he's not gonna. He's not gonna achieve that. He's not even gonna be in the conversation right. to be the greatest basketball player of all time. This is a bunch of hype, and I'm upset that y'all are trying. You know what? I'm not buying it. You shouldn't be selling it, and I don't want to hear any more about this guy until he actually shows in the NBA that he's worthy of this type of praise. We were already upset when when they he first got to the NBA. They thought, oh no, this is all premature. He's this all is, hype. This is all hype. They're yeah. building up. They're trying to make a superstar. We watched Michael Jordan build himself into being. A great star. Now they want he to, got cut. They want to fabricate one and manufacture one. Yep. So that was number one, and that was his fault, right? He was on the Sports Illustrated cover, and ESPN wanted to uh, broadcast his games. The second was the decision, because even after he proved that he could play in the mm-hmm. NBA and he's worthy of all that, you know, that hype, he the decision, and people hate it, even though he gave millions to boys charity, and, boys, boys and, and girls, girls club, club. Yeah. gave millions there. He didn't know how he didn't know how angry. America was at the time, and he didn't know how disliked it would make him. He didn't realize that basically every team that wasn't going to be the winner in the LeBron James sweepstakes, they all were going to hate him. Yeah, oh, for sure. If it would, everybody outside of Miami, which he chose, ended up disliking LeBron even more. And I'm not burning his that. jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't realize that was going to turn a lot of people against him. He thought, oh, I'm going to do something for charity, and then it'll be a kind of a broadcast. Nope, nope, nope. It worked. It it really blew up in his face. Yep. And then he goes to Miami, and he's got the not one, not two. Now that was on him. And this is when he starts to kind of embrace his villain. Remember, he has the commercial. Mm-hmm. About the villain, and now he's the villain, and he's starting to embrace it. Not one, not two, not three. That hurt him a little bit too. And then ultimately, in the Mavs final, which he loses against the Mavs, yep. and everybody agrees, probably shouldn't have lost that final. I mean, the Mavs were a one; they were a one-man wrecking crew and a one-man show. It was a great team, but we all know the talent disparity on the Miami shot. Miami mm-hmm. side should have been able to settle that, and it did not. Correct. So he lost a lot of respect in that series. But also when they mocked Dirk. And Dirk was sick, and him and D-Wade was seen kind of mocking Dirk time. Whether they were or not, that was the perception. And all of that, that kind of led to him basically perceived as a villain, and he's never been able to shake it. He shook it a little when he went back to Cleveland and won a title and then started going up against Golden State, but only because Golden State started to become a villain because, like the old Dark Knight movie says, either you die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain. They became villains when they were once the most beloved team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. People got tired of seeing Golden State, so they became the villain, and then everybody rooted for LeBron going back to Cleveland to beat 
Golden State. Right. That was the only time he got love, but he lost all that love. I was going to say it all changed quick. It changed quick. It changed quick. He's the most unintentional villain, I think, in sports history. And I think to this day, because of the social media age, because of the analytical age we live in, he is still viewed mostly more negative than positive by sports fans. No doubt. No doubt. I I think that is the case. People look at him all the time and try to figure out how can I hate on him today? I think they wake up trying to figure <laughs> out how much hate can I spew for him, even even in his moment, even with his moment of of being the man for just the night, just the night. People still didn't want to give him his flowers because everybody wants to turn it into Michael Jordan's better. He's the goat, he, and I agree with you. It's crazy to me that no one ever talks about uh, what. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did with him by being that person. Mm-mm. He got championships. I, I watched Winning Time with uh, you know when they were talking oh, they, about the yeah. Lakers mm-hmm. and how he was portrayed. Let's not forget he also was an actor at one point. He was. You're right. Good he point. also is. He's like Bruce Lee. I mean, he knows karate. My man did so much That's more, and people still look at Kareem because of what he did when he changed his name, how he became this other person, but yet and still nobody ever talks about how great of a basketball player he really was. And then you can take it even further because there's other players that in their era, Wilt Chamberlain, for instance. How about Bill Russell? Nobody ever calls Bill Russell the GOAT. He's got more rings than anybody. That's a generational thing. I no, I agree. Yeah, it's a but that's what I'm thing. saying. Yeah, so everybody always looks yeah. at it and it's and, like. And, I, and I, I would argue that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's generation doesn't argue enough for him because he was so outspoken and he was an activist. Exactly. So he was seen negatively by his the fan base of that generation. Uh, some of them viewed him as, oh, man, he's rallying up stuff. He's a troublemaker, man. Kareem right. changed his name. Man, why Kareem got to be all extra? Yeah. Why he got to be all extra? Extra man, he can't just play. Why can't he just play basketball? Exactly. And I'm not, you know, I'm not giving no, to the political side. That, but I'm saying, I think yeah, that's so, how people thought. So, so all the people that still think exactly all the people that should have been arguing, man, Kareem's the goat. Yeah. They actually have a negative perception of Kareem too, because that much like LeBron is seeing this era a little negatively. By the way, he adds to that. He helps. He doesn't help oh, yeah, himself. He, doesn't, yeah. he gives plenty of ammunition to oh, the people sure. that want to hate on him. Yeah. I'll admit that. Um, we but, all can admit yes, that. But I think for Kareem, because he was so socially active and he he was uh, you know someone that kind of you know went on his own path and he was a, was not a traditionalist in any in any uh, way at all. Um, he got a lot of haters during his day mm-hmm. that probably usually would have been people yelling and screaming oh no Kareem is the GOAT what are y'all talking about you never hear Kareem is the GOAT no, I know. never it, it you was never fun. not one person ever bring it up well and then there's the fact of like he just is naturally he doesn't smile a lot he doesn't yeah. it's like us they're like man Kareem don't want to be there I'm like that's just how Kareem looks exactly. I know y'all don't get it but that's exactly. how he looks he don't smile all the time that's man. Kareem like y'all last night my like, son like, he's so that. mad he's mad he has to be here I'm like that's his face that's his face yeah. that's y'all just saying he's mad and then he smiles oh, and you're like man. oh so he's happy and you're like I'm sorry not everybody smiles all the time my son but kept you know saying what? that last night he kept saying dad does Kareem smile doesn't that hurt you with yes, the, the, yes. Like, especially with your You're generation yeah. in the post yeah. game about how he said at the end of his post game he made a point to go shag anything where they said we had beef I've never had beef with you mm. it was not a thing it's just 
And Shaq was like, yeah, he didn't look at me. He didn't smile at me. And it was like, yeah, you just took it your own way because yep. Kareem's screaming. And he's just like, man, I just want to get out of here. I don't want to be around any of this. Like, I don't really like the limelight like this. Oh, yeah. I like, and so like, he um, did that. What's the, in, the Major League Baseball player like that? Is it Trout? Trout's like that. Yeah. yeah but it's he's like, not, he's not, not in the limelight. Want any remember, part of it. Kareem yep. is seven foot tall. <laughs> yeah, so avoid. you cannot like he walked through the airport and you're like, are you Kareem? He has to go. Yeah, of course I yeah, am. That's true. No, I'm point. another bald seven footer. Looks just like this. An actor too, so people yeah. assume like he wants attention when he doesn't. Great so point. there's part of it where it's like he just always had this rep, and a lot of people I think thought like, oh, he thinks he's better than me because he's not smiling. He's walking away. You're like, the dude just didn't want to be there. Yeah, no. that's a good. I never thought about that, but you're right. You, you said your son brought it up. Like, man, what's wrong? Yeah, with my, he's like, man, does he smile? And then there was a picture with him and James Worthy, and uh, I think it was. I, I want to say it was Magic, and he was smiling there. He's like, oh, he does smile. There, there he is. He's got a smile in it, but it was brief. It was brief. <laughs> it was hot. Get up out of here. Let me get this picture. Well, Kawhi's taken like that. Kawhi yeah. Leonard is like that. There's some. I mean, there's some people who's like, I really don't want to yeah. be a part of the, you know, the the theater. Yep. Of all this, even though it does help you. And we've talked about this with Hall of Fame voting with different players, right? Yep. If you're the amicable and outgoing and the media views you as a very positive personality, it helps you as opposed to, I mean, he's crotchety and he's in a bad mood and he's grumpy um, and so and standoffish, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me ask you this. So is this uh, one of the unbreakable records now in sports considering we're in the load management era uh, the one and done era will soon be done. I believe that in a few years they're going to allow uh, players to come straight out of high school again. Um, right. But he did have that advantage. LeBron did. But LeBron, the, the thing that makes his this record unique for him, and he's 38 years old, is that he's finishing very strong. He's averaging 20, almost 30 points per game now, mm -hmm. and he started really strong. Right. He started averaging like 20 points per game. Not At a, a seven, as a 17-year-old basketball yeah, exactly. player. Exactly. Not a lot of players have that trajectory where they start that strong, right. and he's also going to finish that strong. And to your point, it's because he has invested to, in his body. That's right. why he's got that long Million game. dollars he invests in his body from working out, making sure that he's eating the right things, just taking care. And not only that, he – He's a dad that's at home. He's involved with his kids' life. He's not like other people when it comes to these types of things. How many? What's the story we always hear? Oh, uh, he was out gallivanting. He was doing all this other stuff. No, he's at home playing Madden. I've, I've been seeing so many pictures of him, well, videos of him and Vanessa. She's trying to talk to him, and he's on the Madden game. Mm -hmm. He's not even trying to go out. Like yeah. last night he went out, though. But other than that, <laughs> you start looking at what he's doing, and this dude is taking care of himself in, in the longevity. And I know a lot of people keep saying, well, he started in a different era. He started playing. He did it in 150 less games than Kareem did. Think about that. He's, he broke the record in less games. Now I know everybody can look at it and say, all right, we got the three-point shot. He's done all these other stuff. But – it's still part of the era that he's doing it in, and he's doing it during his time. Mm -hmm. And he's this twenty years strong, man. Is this 20 is twenty years strong, and to your point, he's getting better. He's he's aging like fine wine. He is doing things that he didn't do before, like hitting his jumper was terrible before. Now he's knocking down three pointers every single time he comes across the court. I mean, this dude is six foot nine. And 260 pounds. And that is the thing that drives me. Oh, he wouldn't have been able to play in that. Have y'all seen this dude? 
He is massive. He would have adapted. He uh, quickly. <laughs> he would have adapted quickly. Yeah, no question about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, because I'm with you, I think LeBron James's legacy. Um, it's just going to be different than MJ's. Mm-hmm. He's never going because MJ had the six for six in yep, in yep, the finals. Yep. So that'll Rightfully always so. exactly. Yeah. And I, I still think MJ has to go. But I think one day potentially we could get to the point where it is a debate. It's more of a preference than a debate. I should say that. Yeah, it's more of a preference. It's like, like I said, it's a, where the Tupac and Biggie debate is now. Yep. When I ask somebody, you know, who you think is a go Tupac and Biggie, and they say Biggie, I respect it. I'm a Tupac man. Right. It's just it's a preference thing. But for LeBron, yeah, I do think he's not done adding to the legacy. It'd be great if he can get on another team that would compete for a championship. Right mm-hmm. now, the Lakers just they ain't they ain't gonna compete anytime soon. Maybe they will. I mean, I'll take the trade. As a matter of fact, yeah, and we CB, were talking about it earlier. Uh, texted us this. Uh, it's tweeted us this. Uh, Sham Sharania. Uh, tweeted out the Lakers, Jazz, and Timberwolves are in discussions on a three-team deal that would send D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers, uh, Russell Westbrook, and draft compensation, such as a first-round pick to Utah, and Mike Conley to Minnesota. Mm. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? Anything? Well, so they, they it, need help. Yeah, th- this trade actually makes sense <laughs> for everybody involved. Uh, the question is, mm. where does a pick compensation go? And does and I think this is where it lines up is that everyone's going to come after the Lakers and want both first rounders and I don't know if they do both first rounders to get D'Angelo Russell to drop Russell because you basically have to give mm. Utah first rounder to drop Russell Westbrook and you're going to have to give a first rounder to get D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to give up two for that. And there's a rumor point. that uh, obviously Russell Westbrook is disgruntled. He and Darvin Ham got into they were quote-unquote, heard in a raising their voice shouting match last night after the game in the locker room. And I'm sure that this has been brewing for a lot of time because, let's not forget, Russ is coming off the bench. He's not even starting yeah, for them. Point. So that's a good point. But he last night he played with great energy. He did of everything. Of course he, he did because he wanted to show up LeBron. Yeah, but he was and getting AD the ball. And AD sat on the bench. AD did. Go that whole team on the bench, don't have a person. Okay, so uh, are you are you guys thinking that anything should be uh, made of AD sitting down um, and not celebrating LeBron James's moment when he? I mean, I don't think it's anything you can really change. But yeah, that was that was it is a bad good. look. Yeah, it was it's bad a really, really, really bad look. It was bad octaves because yeah. everybody's talking. Everybody about got it. up yeah. and celebrated. You yeah. sat down and didn't celebrate. And I'm sure LeBron James has seen that. I'm sure LeBron James may well, be thinking to himself, "Well, and, you know, why didn't you have some type of? Why didn't you at well, least yeah, acknowledge the well, moment? Funny you ain't got to celebrate it, but at least they stand show up. up later in the game. Sit down next to AD, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Man, it's so cool that you're here with me for this. Like, it's so cool. Like, he's talking up AD when yeah. he's sitting next he to him. On him the he loved him." Yeah, yeah, and he's like, man, and so he's doing that. So it's just weird. Strange. Yeah, everything about it just was weird. The Russell Westbrook was expected. You were like, Russell's going to put up a lot of shots tonight because yeah. he knows everybody's watching, and he wants to show that he's still, in his mind, the yeah. GOAT. Hey, yeah. and you know what? The Lakers are probably like, yeah, do it, because LeBron's going to get his record. We need your trade value to kill him. <laughs> yeah. so, yes, go out there, Russell. Keep eating. Keep, Keep eating. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe he just wants to feel respected 
and he wants to be celebrated and not just tolerated, Harge. Yeah. Those were the words of one Kyrie Irving when he spoke to the media about his trade to the Mavs. He said, quote, being in this seat today, I just know I want to be in places where I'm celebrated and not just tolerated or just kind of dealt with in a way that doesn't make me feel respected. There were times throughout this process when I was in Brooklyn where I felt very disrespected and my talent, I work extremely hard at what I do. No one talks about my work ethic, though. Everyone talks about what I'm doing off the floor. I just want to change that narrative, write my own story, and prepare in the gym. Now that I'm in Dallas, just focus on what I can control. Like I said, I'm always going to be close with those guys in Brooklyn. Okay. All right. He seems very optimistic, and he just wants to be celebrated and respected and not just tolerated. It goes back to what we've been talking about just recently, right? Don't you have to do things to make people want to celebrate you? That's fair. Because now you're just being tolerated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That is why it's happening. You, the only reason why you're being tolerated, because if you weren't talented, none of this would be happening, bro. No, he's talented. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you weren't talented, nobody would even be talking about you. At this point, yeah, he's. it's all about the risk-reward for with, with Kyrie Irving. Right. You, but, yeah, you know the risk, but you also know the reward. But you know this. Hey, man, if you, that's what you want, go do it. It yep. is your the world's your oyster because you got all the talent in the world, and all you have to do is not mess up. That's yeah. it. All you got to do is not walk out and say, hey, man, Lucas holding the ball too much, or hey, man, the offense doesn't work this way, yeah. and hey, man, we're not winning enough. Or, as long as you just go and play basketball. For the next few months, yeah, you you are there, and now look, you're never gonna live it down because that's just it's your reputation. It's hard to lose a, a reputation, yeah. No matter and what I mean, it is. And especially yeah. to go, hey man, he was good for six months. Yeah. Let's ignore the years of past you know, past right. uh, history, but it's yours. So yeah. you don't do it, and then come out in two months and go, they're not respecting me again. You go, what? Well, why are they not respecting you? Because every day I go to the gym, there's not a party that I show into the gym early. <laughs> yeah, you go, well, that, you don't get that because no one gets that. You're just supposed to do it. Yep. But the Mavs actually may do that just because they want to <laughs> keep them happy for this remainder of the season. Can yeah, yeah, every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. That doesn't usually happen. But the Mavs, they're a little desperate, so they may actually cater to all of his. I don't know. Jason Kidd does not have a, a strong reputation of getting along with star players necessarily. No, he doesn't. So, That's true. That's a so good we'll see. Point. Now they're apparently close. They're apparently buddies. And he loved Jason. He loved Kidd. Jason Kidd growing up. Best, but yeah. but that is he does not necessarily have the reputation and the history of <sighs> making his star players feel loved. I can't not. I can't wait. It's going to be so fun to watch this drama unfold good or bad um happy for mouse fans because hey man at least you got a shot because it works <laughs> out you're gonna be in the conversation absolutely to, to, in, the, in the championship conversation there ain't no question about it uh this basically this is the hot to crazy ratio they always say that yeah, women yeah, yeah, yeah. are as crazy as they are hot and the hotter a woman is the crazier she is and but when she is crazier than she is hot that's when you need to jump off and you figure something else out Kyrie is right on, on the, the cusp. cusp. He's yeah. right there on the precipice yeah. of being crazier than he is hot. But right now, I still think he's hotter than he is crazy. And I think that's what Mark Cuban is. He's like, nah, man. You, you, we've all seen, we've all been in a situation where you know she's crazy. Yeah. But she's smoking hot. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm off- dealing with that crazy because that hot is something I cannot pass up. No, off-season, <laughs> off-season Kyrie was too crazy. But then he went and got a tan. <laughs> <laughs> teeth whitened, and he's he's ready to go. Right so got a, yeah, got a mini skirt on. You like, you know what? You looking good.
good. Yeah, I saw man. you last month and you didn't look this good. Right now you look perfect. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll come back. Uh, Ross, wrap the day. Well, a little black history lesson about the man who uh, pretty much is largely responsible for integrating the NFL as we know it today. We'll talk about that uh, right when we come back. Right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day. I want to talk um, a little bit about uh, Bill Walsh, uh, the late, great Bill Walsh. Uh, when uh, Bill Walsh was at San Francisco, one of the things that he pioneered uh, was the Bill Walsh Minority Coaching Fellowship. Uh, it's now kind of led to, I think it's called the Minority uh, internship program or Minority Fellowship. They call it different things, um, but it, it was started by, Bill Walsh, I think officially in 1988 was the first year he he started, but it was something that was in the works and the making for a long time. And since its inception, I think 2000 something minority coaches have participated in the program. And most of the minority coaches in the NFL today, uh, a lot of them came through that Bill Walsh minority coaching program. And Bill Walsh famously you know he, you know he he was a an activist and he was an agent of change. As you know, obviously he put this institution in place because <clears throat> he wanted to be something that outlasts him and he wanted to be a part it to be a part of his legacy. But also he just he really just didn't want discrimination to get in the way of him hiring the best person for the job. That, that, that all the books kind of get back to it, and I'm not I'm not saying that you know that wasn't his only motive. No, he wanted to integrate the game. He wanted to expand opportunities for people of color. Yes, he wanted to do all that. But he also, as a football coach, he was like, man, I want the best guy for the job, and the best guy for the job is a black man or is someone Hispanic or whatever. Hell, even if it was a woman at the time, I think Bill Walsh would have done it. He genuinely just wanted the best man or woman person for the job, and he just thought discrimination would, you know, it, it would hurt his ability <laughs> right, to make that decision or make the best decision, which, yeah, it does. Yep. It clouds your judgment. And um, the genesis of his minority coaching program essentially came from his relationship with Harry Edwards. Harry Edwards is a longtime sociology professor, uh, at Cal and, oh, man, uh, Cornell, worked at different different institutions. Um, but he has been a lone advocate for, you know, uh, integration and talks about you know social <laughs> issues and race relations in this country going back to hell, the 70s. As a matter of fact, uh, we'll get to a story, but he helped organize the uh, protest for the Olympics in Mexico City, 1968, Tommy Smith. He was he was the one to help them organize it. Yeah, he's been <laughs> around for a long time, obviously, but but he's he's very prominent in very the prominent. NFL circles yes. as well. And, but it was Bill Walsh that brought him in. Yep. 
And it was Bill Walsh that initially brought him in. You're right. After that, he 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 did work as a consultant for Major League Baseball teams mm-hmm. and NBA sure Golden State Warriors too, and other NFL teams. But it, it, they both uh, hung around Cal because for a while Bill Walsh worked at Cal. And so he would obviously go back there every now and then, and they were on West Coast guys, and he was a sociology professor there. And they had a relationship for a long time until Bill Walsh actually hired him later on, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Um, but um, when, you know, Harry Ayers was brought in in 1983, I think is when basically Bill Walsh first sought his counsel about certain issues with the team, player programs, support you know, life skills, financial training and literacy, all that kind of stuff. Right. And it was only a, a few years later, they started talking to him about this minority coaching fellowship. And like I said, that was the genesis of it was the conversations with Harry Edwards about social issues and about how best to have the melting pot that is his locker room, how to, to best be able to relate to it and how best to be able to to kind of maximize the functionality of that, that group of different men from different backgrounds, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And here's a, here's a great quote from, because I was reading an article about this in Sports Illustrated from a long, long time ago. And it was, it was a quote in Bill Walsh's locker room and it, all throughout the facility. And the quote was, afford each person the same respect, support, and fair treatment you would expect if your roles were reversed. Deal with people individually, not as objects who are part of a herd. That's the critical factor. <laughs> and it was like, man, that's a that's a that's a mouthful, but it's just the golden rule. But I was going to say, it's all it is, is, yeah, it's always the golden rule. I guess he could have made it sort of just talking about it's the golden rule. Um, but he was he was big on you know just mutual respect, and of course you know discrimination um, is nothing more of a slap in the face to respect than discrimination. He once was famous for saying in the early two thousands that he didn't believe the NFL owners, even though they weren't hiring a lot of black coaches. Were, were racist. He said, quote, it was tough to get through to the league owners. He said, I wouldn't say they were racist, but they felt no urgency at all. And that's and, and still to this day, you could argue that there's no real urgency about it. I mean, you have well, we had four minority head coaches now. Yeah. Mike McDaniels, Robert Seller, Mike Tomlin and D'Amico uh, Ryans. I, yeah, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. So, yeah, I mean, it, the Rooney rule. Has not really worked, but a lot of the coaches at the lower levels, assistant coaching level, came, you know, through the minority coaching uh, fellowship with Bill Walsh. And Harry Edwards famously said Bill Walsh just wanted the best people. It didn't matter if they were polka dot or purple. Uh, I mean, like I said, discrimination just got in his way. And this is a story, though, that I think really bonded Harry Edwards and Bill Walsh. So in 1968, the Summer Olympics, you had the Speed City Track Stars. That's Tommy Smith, John Carlos, Lee Evans. They were members of the uh, the San Jose, that, that track team. So they were the ones who participated in the Olympics. They also protested. That protest in the 68 Summer Olympics was actually organized by Harry Edwards. He was a part of the Olympic Project for Human Rights to protest racial segregation, uh, particularly in the United States. So he collaborated with Smith and, you know, some other folks. And they came up with the Black Power Salute while on the medal stand, Mm -hmm. which y'all probably (laughs) can guess didn't go over well with the American public. (laughs) People were not happy about that. So essentially, these guys were shunned when they came back home. Like they were just, I mean, they were essentially excommunicated from society. They couldn't get jobs. They couldn't get a lot of stuff because of the protests. And it becomes such a national story. Bill Walsh 
gave him a tryout when he was with the Bengals. Mm-hmm. When people criticized and Bill and, and Harry Edwards said they had no, he said, I don't think Bill Walsh expected them to make the team. What he did was offer them a paycheck when they were considered pariahs. It was a nod of admiration to their bravery and courage. And that's because Harry Edwards had organized a protest. He appreciated that him and Bill Walsh were really cool after that. Years later, when Bill Walsh got his head coaching job, um, he hired uh, Harry Edwards in 1985. After that, so you know, you got you know, decade plus later after that, Bill Walsh is like, no, no. When I get my big time gig, I'm bringing this guy in because he's going to help us uh, build a staff and build a, a a roster that is about inclusion and is about diversity and that is about respect and that is heightened a heightened awareness and enlightened about social issues, the ones that are affecting the people who make up this organization. That was his, the, the basis for it, and it worked out really well for him. Like I said, after that, the Golden State Warriors, Major League Baseball teams, they decided to follow Bill Walsh's model, and then they grabbed Harry Edwards, and now everybody has a Harry Edwards type mm-hmm. on their staff somewhere um, that has a, a role as a, I don't know, public relations specialist or someone who is um, a specialist in social uh, issues or race relations, whatever it may be. And Bill Walsh was thinking about that way before anybody else was. And one of his secret weapons was integration, mm-hmm. right, in the coaching staff because not a lot of people were integrating the coaching staff. He found some damn good coaches where nobody else would give guys chances like Dennis Green and Marvin Lewis and Ray Rhodes and Sherm Lewis, just guys who were black coaches at the time, were really good. They just weren't giving the opportunity. He gave them the opportunity. It also gave him a huge advantage. Right. He had head coaches on his coaching staff that other uh, coaching staff didn't have the luxury of, of that uh, that experience and that uh, that advice and that counsel. Yeah. Yeah. He was ahead of his time. He In was a lot definitely, of ways. Yeah, more than, more than enough. And going back to what you were talking about, <laughs> Mike Tomlin, Mike McDaniel, Todd Bowles, Lovey Smith, Todd Bowles, I forgot about yeah, Todd Bowles. and and Steve Wilkes were all part of and Sala were all part of it. Obviously, Wilkes was not retained. Now he's going to be the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. and now Lovey Smith was just fired, but they replaced Lovey with D'Amico. Yeah, and Todd Bowles still the head yep. coach. So we and Todd Bowles one. is still the so head coach. That's yeah. five minority head coaches. And thanks yep. for that. Yeah, I mean, you go look at there are a lot of coaches that came through that minority uh, coaching program that still are. Um, yep. for Bill Walsh. So uh, kudos to him. A little black history lesson for the right folks on. out there. All right, we come back. We'll get into, actually, I want to get into the dunk competition. There's a lifetime I like that. represented in the dunk competition. We'll talk about that when we come back. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. Right here on 1049 The Horn, midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick plays songs from a particular soundtrack, and based on uh, those songs that he plays for us, we're supposed to gather clues and hints um, and then be able to guess exactly what the feature movie is for midweek movie music. It is the harder they come <clears throat> today, and 
Parge and I did not guess that. So wasn't even close. My man Patrick took pity on us, and we appreciate that. I was looking for cool running. <laughs> that was a great guess, though. By the hey, way, you got Jamaican. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say you got the reggae thing working. So that was a great guess. Um, all right, let's get to uh, this news. This little NBA nugget here that I want to discuss. Um, and my man Patrick sent this, and I thought it was it was cool. So Jericho Sims, lifetime Longhorn Jericho Sims, has now entered his mm-hmm. name into the dunk contest. So that's pretty cool. So he's got yeah. now the updated dunk contest participants, and I'm sure they can add to this. The one that I have says that uh, Trey Murphy, the third, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans wing, he's going to be a part of it. Um, uh, Houston he's bouncy. Rock- he's bouncy. He is. Yep. Houston Rockets uh, forward Kenyon Martin Jr. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a part of it. Portland Trailblazers rookie uh, Shadon Sharp. He's also going to be uh, in it, and um, Mac, Mac McClung. McClung. Yes, yeah. Mac McClung is going to be another participant in the dunk contest, and now Jericho Sims. Yeah, so check this Nick out. Center. Mac McClung is in the G League, and they gave him an exemption hey. to bring him in. And Ooh, if you remember, hey, he McClung. was the high-flying uh, kid from Georgetown that transferred to Texas Tech. Yep. And he was uh, – he. He was a YouTube sensation, to be quite honest with yeah, you. Yeah, he was when one of those was coming out of high school. So mm. he was one of those. He was one of the first that kind of made his own mixtape yep. to get seen because he wasn't getting recruited heavily enough. Okay, and that was his deal. And yeah, then he had a game winner against Texas in the. Uh, yeah, you know, oh, of course he did. Yeah, and that was the <laughs> one. That, that was the game where Chris Beard was talking about how much he loved Brock Cunningham, and he made the jumper right in front of. Us and they were on the. They, I think they were even sitting on the opposite side that game because it was during COVID. I it was during COVID. Yeah. So yeah. I know. Yeah, because I know we were up because I was explaining to someone afterwards that McClung did the interview and then he home alone ran to the locker room. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> exactly. man, that hurts. Exactly. You know, like the arms, the circle, the windmill <laughs> yeah, arms exactly. running back. It's like wow. a tw- the five year old running back to the locker room. Like, I like oh that. man, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't know how to run, like you've never been taught. <laughs> oh, how no, just like, just like, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so Dunk Contest is uh, February 18th. Yep. Uh, I'll throw this out there, and this is a take that I've always had since we're talking a lot about LeBron James. Um, this is actually something that I do, I'm critical of LeBron James for, Very and I do so. blame him for. I think he is to blame for the the Dunk Contest becoming less of a spectacle. Yep. And less of an event because there was a passing of the torch mm-hmm. from star to superstar when it came to the dunk contest. I'm not saying they haven't had stars in it since. They have, but it was seen as a rite of passage that, all right, I'm, if I want to be the GOAT, I got to enter the dunk contest, win it like MJ. Kobe Kobe did it. He, I think it was a young, when you're young and you're, you're youthful in your prime, hey, your body can withstand it. That's when you're supposed to do it. We've seen LeBron in pregame warm up do dunks oh that would win the dunk contest. Yes. And he never did it. And the reason he never did it, and I'll, I'll say it and I think it's true. I think he ultimately was a little afraid that he had more to lose than to gain, and he was afraid he went out there and everybody would be trying to show up LeBron. You know that. Everybody's like, oh, LeBron's in it? Everybody's going to enter. I'm going to show up LeBron. And he knew that he could lose it. But it's the same reality that MJ faced. MJ didn't care. He's like, oh, ain't nobody going to beat me. If they do beat me, they ain't going to beat me You know, next time. They ain't going to beat me the next time after that. He found a way to win. He lost to Dominique Wilkins. Yep. Still found a way to win. I blame the dunk contest's lack of popularity. I blame that on LeBron James because he never did it. And it has waned ever since. It's a it's a great movie because it's still entertaining, by the way. It's still entertaining, but it doesn't have a it doesn't have A-list celebs. It doesn't have your A-list actors in it, your A-list 
NBA superstars in it. Now you get the B-list guys and the C-list guys. I, I will tell you. I think the A-listers. See, I, I have a different opinion. I think what killed it was Vince Carter because he won it. He still would win every single year. Like, if you put Vince Carter, what he did that one year, is better than anything we've ever seen since. So it's just got gimmickier and gimmickier because you're like, yeah, no one can jump out of a gym with ball control. But LeBron can. LeBron in his prime could have, and he didn't do it. LeBron, I know what you're saying about Vince Carter. You're right. LeBron could have revived it. You know he could have. He was that kind of freak. No, no, I think he could have done good. He decided, nope, it ain't worth it for me. I think he could have done good. I don't think he could have revived it. Because, like, Blake Griffin could jump out of a gym, and he couldn't revive it. Blake Griffin is like a two-foot jump. He's like the Dominique Wilkins kind. That's different than what LeBron is. LeBron's a different kind of athlete than than Blake Griffin. No, no, I get that. I agree with you. I agree with you. LeBron would have won it. And and, and people look up to LeBron. Players players don't look up to Blake Griffin. they don't. No, no. They look up to LeBron. They, if LeBron did it, all the young guys would go, I got to do it. It's, yeah. part, it's, part, it's part of the process. It's the rite of passage. You got to do it. He didn't do it, and everybody else went, you ain't got to do it. Don't give me the Dwight Howard. Those guys aren't iconic. We're talking about the Iconics guys, all right, the Icons. Yep. We're talking about MJ. We're talking about Kobe. Right. They did it. Who? And when he didn't do it, he was the next superstar, and he, he did it. Everybody assumed he would, and he never did. All right, let's see. Who would we want in it, though, right now? I don't know. I'm just I, I just don't know the high flying superstar of no, now. No, because now they do the three point contest. Yeah, because that that's where y'all went when you when when it became once you stop once people stop looking at the dunk contest as the marquee event, they all said I'll go do a three point contest. Yeah. And that's where all the stars are. Yeah. KD's done that. Steph yeah. done that. Kyrie, yep. everybody does that. Yep. Nobody wants to do dunk contests because LeBron basically decided it's not important. I think that's what hurt his 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 like you said the passing mm-hmm. of the torch. He was the guy that should have been the next guy in the dunk contest. I 100% agree. And matter of fact, me and my son were having this conversation last night, and I even told him this last night. I said, the problem with LeBron, too, he never participated in a dunk contest, and he had every opportunity to do it. He was that guy. You're that dude. He was that dude. You're that dude, man. And he had that flair, and everybody would have been all eyes on him, and that's that one part of his his legacy that he missed. And I know people are like, ah, it's a dunk contest. No, I wrapped my weekends around making sure I watched the dunk contest. Everybody did. That is what it was all about. I'm like, I cannot wait to see what these dudes are about to come up with. Even not Blake Griffin, but what's the other dude? Aaron Gordon. Yeah, yeah, CB just brought that up. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point, CB, that – Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine one because there was two of them Zach going Levine at it. Zach Levine is a bouncy dude. And like too. I said, that one was good. It, 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 I don't but think y'all not, heard me. No, I, I said, know exactly I said, what you're still saying. Good. It's yeah. still good. It's still yeah. very entertaining. Sometimes. It's just missing a listers. A listers. Yeah. Yeah. We're a celebrity driven culture. We want celebrities doing that stuff. Yep. We don't want people yep. we never heard of. And this is the reality of it. And yep. I think when LeBron decided he wanted to do it, the A listers all said, "Ah, we don't need to do it." Yeah, I, I, We're too I get good your for point it. about going over to the three point and the, the Dude, skills challenge. Exactly, and, and they, doing they that, have teaming way more up with other people. Yeah, they're way more star studded events yeah. than the dunk contest is now. And dunk contest yep. used to be the marquee event. Yep, nobody even cares about it anymore. Yeah, uh, we'll come back. Uh, we care about it. We'll come back. We'll <clears> get into uh, the combine. A lot of Longhorn related news go behind the burners curtain right here on Ball Don't Lie. One four nine the horn.